Hello and welcome to the coolest kids, the emo podcast, <laughs> spectacular. I am one of your hosts, Terrence Wiggins, joined by your other host, Brock Wilbur, just enjoying Terrence scraping the bottom of the enthusiasm he has left. <laughs> I've, I've been sick for like a week and a half, maybe, I don't know. I think I, we've been I, sick for two years, so. This probably. Is... Uh, and we have a special guest with us today. Hello. Hi. I don't know that was my cue, but hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, I've just got to throw it in your face. That's fine. Who are you, special guest? I'm Jackson. I'm Jackson Tyler. Uh, I am here to guest on this podcast because you came to me with a DM asking me to explain <laughs> some shit to you. Uh, so I will, I, I will introduce Jackson. Jackson is somebody that I've had very fun interactions with online uh, to the point that I, I followed Jackson on Twitter and uh, I reached out to them and at some point I was like, I feel like I'm retweeting you so much I've just become a fan account and I should just do that one tweet that's like, hey, I won't retweet Jackson anymore. Just fucking follow them. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know what's happening here. Every other tweet I'm doing is actually there. I don't know why you'd out yourself as having such bad taste in tweets like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have bad friends. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Jackson has uh, a sort of podcast, uh, podcast network, Abnormal Mapping, and it's a Patreon that you can uh, back, which today was actually a reminder that uh, when I shut down my Patreon around their recent stuff, uh, both Terrence and Jackson are people I need to refollow and uh, resupport financially because uh, <laughs> uh, I was mad at a company. Uh, so amongst the many things that happen on Abnormal Mac Bang, there's one show that, uh, that Jackson has called Goof Zone, which is just two friends helping each other through mental illness, which I think is actually what this show has become instead of about emo also, that's, music. That's most podcasts, really. That's yeah. most podcasts in the end. Uh, we did that Jackson, one for a while and then had to like stop it because of how intense it was. Maybe it'll come back one day when we have the time again, but uh, it was good. It was good for a while. Yeah, I, I, I too have quit podcast and called it because of the time. Uh, so it's uh, so Jackson also runs a, a show called The Armory Score, and this is where we've had a when we put our call outs on Twitter to be like, hey, who wants to come talk about an emo album? Inevitably, the first and most bloodthirsty answers come from Coheed and Cambria fans, and and I don't get that world at all. I have not stepped in. But Jackson uh, has a podcast with uh, with your friend Molly called The Armory Score, where you work through this thing. And I, 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 I honestly, I fucking honestly did not know. I, I thought that, like, here's my level of it. I'm a cursive fan. And the furthest that cursive has gotten into, like, going beyond concept album into, like, lore is they did an album called I Am Gemini that comes with a playbill from a play. And every line in it has a character name and, and, and like... I didn't know that that existed for like three months because I pirated the album. So when I found out that every line was from a different character, I was like, well, okay. Good on me for uh, getting caught up in, in an anti-piracy idea here. But also like that was, that's not my favorite album. And uh, I was watching you promote your Armory Score podcast and you're like, and it goes fucking song by song. And you're like, so here's this song. That's about a space bicycle possessed by the devil that fights uh, blood for dinosaurs or something. I was like, oh, wait, I didn't understand that, like, this entire band, every song they've ever done has been in order, part of a lore about a bigger thing. And it is an idea that I hate so very much. But I was like, you know what? I want to I want to love something as pure as that again. Uh, and, and Coheed is one of those bands that's like... I, 
I, I think the best uh, explanation I have for my my entry into Coheed is that like I think everyone I knew growing up had uh, keeping the secrets of the Silent Earth like three. Yep, that, but, close but, enough. But like now, <laughs> n- now, n- now knowing about what the like the lore structure is around this, and having spent some time with your show, and and genuinely trying to figure this out, I feel like that's as if we were just all handed a copy of the Two Towers. And that's just what everyone knows about Lord of the Rings. Like that, we. You, what if you just had some lore from the middle of a thing and nothing else again ever? Uh, and that, and yeah. and so you were like, "Here's this album, uh, and this album that we listen to is part of sort of the end of a giant multi-album arc." Uh, explain yourself and your choices, and and what and, and to, to what level, uh, like. Just for for us, like personally, but also to make sure that I don't cross the line making a joke in this episode, which I really am worried about. How much is this a thing that you genuinely love versus something you love taking the piss out of? I mean, uh, if uh, the, like the podcast came out of basically a desire to like interrogate something that both me and Molly, my co-host, like really loved as teens, like very earnestly, but. Is kind of edgelord garbage once you like step back and look at it. Um, Thank you for saying that. It is. It completely is. Like, what if as adults we found the Matrix and then we had just one other friend to talk about the Matrix with? Like, it is a story in which, like, I, I we've done two albums so far, and I think about infinite wives have already died and been sacrificed at the altar of music. Uh, you've been asked to like sympathize with a serial killer who's got like 1500 dead women hanging up in his meat locker, but he gets a redemption. He's okay. I don't know. It's like, it's trying so hard. It's, it's not very good. It is bad, but I really like the music and I really like, like interrogating what the fuck is up with all this stupid law. What is going on here? Um, yeah, I was, uh, the, most, I was the most amazing this. part is that like I I thought I knew this band and I never even knew this was a part of it. <laughs> it snuck through. Like if it seems it this seems like the sort of thing that you expect from like West Borland's side project or something. I mean, it pretty much is. It, it, yeah, uh, this is big dumb face level stuff. But then to find out like that this band that you thought was operating in the mainstream this entire time was operating with a narrative arc, it is mind blowing to me. <laughs> Uh, I was listening to this today, and I haven't like I, I never really cared for Coheed after and Keeping Secrets of the Silent Earth Three. Fair. Uh, just because it just like fell too far down uh, prog rock hole, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't have I don't have time. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the time to to listen to this, um, and uh, <laughs> but it like it feels like. Like, if this is, like, I know eventually this was made into, like, a comic book or whatever, but this feels like if somebody, like, the music is the only thing that's holding this story together. Like, if this was a comic book first, or, like, a movie, or, like, a book, people would have been like, you have to rewrite this whole thing, because, like, none of this makes any sense. I love when Terrence plays the studio notes version of emo rock. (laughs) I mean, the reason, like... (laughs) Like it is completely inscrutable and like impossible to follow, but that's the reason it was able to become something that like could hit into the mainstream because it was so ridiculous and pretentious that it went the other way around and just no one even noticed. <laughs> so it was right. just this extra layer for uh, like teenage nerds to get really into. 
uh, and then think about when they become like when they hit their mid twenties and go, hmm, might have been some problems with this thing. Uh, 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 by the way, yeah, the, the Coheed Reddit found our podcast early on. I'm like, oh, what's this podcast about the Lord? Oh, they're so mad. They hate me so much, which is fair enough because <laughs> I basically spend the whole time going, man, this is some fucked up stuff. The second episode is. Like, in the very first song that they ever wrote, the lead character, who is our sympathetic protagonist, murders both his children. Um, uh, Two out of four of his children. And the next uh, song, the third child undergoes, like, a horrific sexual assault. And so it's just terrible. It's just terrible. And they did not appreciate me uh, shitting so heavily on the thing they loved. Even though they don't realize that I kind of love it, too. (laughs) So, you know. Well, um, you're invested enough to do that... That's where I stopped myself. I was like, don't they know that you love this thing that you're writing about? I was like, oh, it's Reddit. Fuck me. What am I trying to say? Uh, But that was my big question is like, did this band start from a place where their first song starts this thing and they just never looked back? Did they have this? How far? You must know as a fan. How far out did they plan this bullshit? It seems like it wasn't planned at all because, you know, no story is actually planned because almost all of the story is just like. Uh, Claudio reacting to thing that happened in life puts ex-girlfriend in story and murders her like it's basically what happens along the along the um like events if you follow the plot uh but i guess like the band comes from they like they were this originally had, were a band called shibuti which is an even stupider mm-hmm. name um, <laughs> what he what? says what he said <clears throat> he says that at the beginning of um uh devil and judge city yes um God, I hate that I know all this stuff. I hate that I'm the expert. <laughs> hey, you, you, hey, I got a I got a text from Terrence today uh, while he was listening to it that just says, "Get to the point already, Claudio." And that is, yeah. I think, a yeah, better I was name say, for I was your podcast say, I, as well. There isn't a point. Like, <laughs> oh, see, I was gonna say I'm gonna make my own Cohen and Cambria like uh, <laughs> sequel album to whatever this mess and call "Get to the Point, Claudio." <laughs> That's about as long a sentence as any of their album titles are. So when they were Shibuya, they were doing much more like... Um, it would, they weren't a full concept band. Uh, they were just doing some songs. Most of, Some of which were like really creepy. Just like the Edge of the stuff was always there. There was some like song about being an awful sex offender. Like, you know, we want to do one of those prog songs that's edgy. It's about what if you were a monster? And it's from the monster's perspective. And you're like, mm, what if you weren't though? What if that was bad? Um, so like, it that- starts from there. And then the their first album, which is like actually a bunch of demo recordings that the label were like, this is good enough. You can put this out. Um, which makes a lot of sense with how that first album sounds very rough. Uh, I came out in 2002, which is called... The second stage turbine blade because obviously uh-huh. the first album they put out is part two in the grand fucking saga uh-huh. uh, of the amory wars i hate every word that you're saying <laughs> i hate it so much it makes me so angry <coughs> well it focuses on uh coheed and cambria who are the knowledge and the beast of no hang on the knowledge and yeah knowledge and the beast Cody's yeah. the Beast, cambria's knowledge his brother jesse is inferno which is the kbi which is oh god yeah um do you feel yourself doing it and then feel something inside of you go jackson no no i made a podcast (laughs) Uh, so i was uh, yeah i was i was listening to this today and like um like i started thinking about uh concept albums that i like and like i like i like uh cursive like the organ like 
the ugly Oregon, or even like um, right away, great captain, which is the the last episode we did was Manchester Orchestra. The lead singer of Manchester Orchestra has a side project called Right Away Great Captain, and like the whole band, the whole thing is a is a concept of like this sailor who like leaves and his wife cheats on him and he comes home and he's like deep in depression it's like three albums but like you know from like from jump street like who is who is the character singing in the song like who like what character is saying what because it focuses on one character what really falls apart for me with a lot of code in cambria is that songs are from different people and like it doesn't really tell you who's saying what and it's just like this you can't infer anything about the story from listening to any of the albums i mean it's it is like almost genius accidentally in that it is basically a project just made for nerds to like sit in forum threads and interpret as a puzzle to solve <laughs> the way people say like oh media isn't a puzzle to solve in Cohen and Cambria every line is like oh oh he's referring to this because this is like another name for this character uh, and that like the na- this is who the navigator must be referring to so this line's sung by Jesse about Ryan uh, beginning the attack on Shadows 10 and you're like oh god oh this is too much um, and because it's all like seven layers deep the actual songs have nothing to do with it and you can just listen to the album like right it's not because it's too much of a like teen like earnest teenage edgelord ridiculous thing to be this but there is like i could see an argument for this being a cynically constructed like way to hit the perfect notes to get like nerds into your music Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can just sit there and analyze like the lyrics all day and never actually have to think about things like themes mm-hmm. uh, or like music or mood. You can just go, Oh, this is a puzzle. And this is what it all means. Oh, is this why your podcast is so like angry? Uh, no, <laughs> I think like, oh, angry. you know, to come back to it now is to realize, uh, Oh, uh, things have meaning. <coughs> Let's start there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they don't. Uh, people don't like our podcasts uh, who are like really into Kohe, which is fine. I'm not saying they're wrong. It is. No- if you are still, I honestly- am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't agree with them, but if you're someone who's like still earnestly into that stuff, I can see why you'd hate having someone come in and mostly shit over the, the bad thing you're into, but whatever. I'm someone has to do it. Might as well be me. Yeah. Is this like when, uh, on- when uh, <laughs> women write about video games? <laughs> I don't know. No, because they haven't like come and at me or anything. They've just been annoyed at me on Reddit and forgot oh, about. Oh, so me. they they keep their hatred of it there. Okay, that's good because I'm felt, not. I'm not. I, I understand I'm, being they, like a, was being like critical of something and loving something like that. Yeah, what a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely like one thread. They just didn't like it. I hopefully I'm not hated it instead of very much forgotten, which is what I would like to be. Uh, <laughs> oh, what we all uh, pine for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the uh, I'm on the Code in Cambria like the wikia for like all the <laughs> characters and whatnot and like it's just making me angry because like I'm recognizing things from the songs and it's like this is this thing I'm just like this is fucking stupid like shut up I just want to yell shut up at this at this whole concept one of my favorite things to do uh, when Terrence introduces me to an album is to make sure I pull up the Genius uh, website oh, and it's beautiful. Uh, follow along with stuff. And I noticed while trying to do this album, the genius uh, comments are shut down because what a fuckhole. What a fuckhole that entire place must be where people line by line are trying to annotate what these songs mean. It would not load on my computer. I just thought, I was like, okay, well, that that shows where this is. 
Genius is good because like it's like it's it has a lot of bands that you couldn't really find lyrics for on other websites, and also it's not like bloated with ads like every other lyric site is. Right. Um, but like you said, it's also a nightmare because it's just people are just like, I think this song is about the time when he was a kid and his mother took him to the thing and he was doing a stuff and this thing happened and you're just like, I don't like that line didn't have anything to do with anything you just said. There's well, nothing the good, I love the more on the show the than when Terrence does genius commenter voice. It is my favorite character that we that's have. Just, that's my internet commenter voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is to say that like either too many people or not enough people participated, and they were like, just shut it down. We don't need that here. Hey, hey Jackson. Yes? Tell me about the writer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Brock, I don't think you know about this, because it's about getting even stupider. Okay, so this is the big... Um, this is the thing we're about to do in the Amory School. So, like, uh, the album that we're talking about today is Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 1, From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. That is all the title of the fucking album. That's the whole title. Um, first to, two... to, to let the audience know, Jackson had to let us know which album it was and said 89 words and then had to say, okay, but be careful, there's two of them. Which is <laughs> yeah, maybe, I didn't even know the that. angriest thing I've ever felt in my life. Because there's also Good Apollo and Burning Star 4 Volume 2, uh, No World for Tomorrow, which is the don't, next album. Don't, don't say these words. You don't have to. Uh, so, uh, brief summary, uh, if you have not listened to the Amory score, uh, you should go do that. It's a good podcast. We go through in detail. It's very funny. Uh, you will find out about Mayo. Um... It's a character, not the mayonnaise. That's a character in the story. Uh, but the yep. first two albums... My God. <laughs> May- oh, I just read his name. Hold on. His name was... Mayo Defton Wolf. Uh, Mayo Wolf... Wolf... Stif- de- Mayo... De- General Mayo Defton Wolf. <laughs> He's the general of the Red Army. I- I've got the facts right here. He's the best part of the whole thing because he's the he's like Darth Vader, but like what Darth Vader actually is, which is just a put upon office worker having to deal with the bullshit of this story. <laughs> go yeah, that's go on, I'm actually intrigued on this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so brief summary of the first two albums. Uh, they focus on uh, the Kilgannons, which are the family of Coheed and Cambria. Uh, Coheed and Cambria in the first one like get infected with a virus and then kill each other because of destiny and a bunch of stuff happens. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Don't worry. Coheed and Cambria are already dead. Coheed and Cambria die in the first album and they never come back. This is by far and away the worst thing I've ever heard. Because the protagonist of the story is not Coheed and Cambria. It is, of course, their son who is named Claudio. Shut up. (laughs) They should have just named the band Kilgannon after, like, the whole family. That would have made more sense. You can see why we had to set up a whole, like, show around this and not, like, distill it into 20 minutes. Why isn't Star Wars late named after Luke's aunt and uncle? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. The the Baru quest. Yeah, love Um, Baru. My god. I'm, anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's actually amazing. That's like find, that's like when you find out as a kid that the stars that you see in the sky have actually burned out hundreds of years ago. Like it's like oh the Coheed and Cambria oh they died in the second album. First the album. light the light you're seeing now is the light of the Coheed and Cambria from three albums ago. <laughs> I mean that kind of makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, they die in a bunch of bullshit uh, that revolve around, like, the secret monster virus that's within them that, like, unleashes them uh, and they have to be killed and they kill each other, like, on the middle of a star. It's stupid. Anyway, their son, Claudio, has special boy powers. He's the special boy. Uh, he can, like, phase through walls uh, and, like, fight people really well. Uh, in between the two albums, there's, like, a ten-year gap where he doesn't talk to anyone and just lives as a hobo. Uh, that happens. Uh, and then in the second album, he learns that like he's the chosen one, which is called the Crowing, who exists to uh, bring about the end of the universe slash save the universe from the evil uh, tri-mage Wilhelm Ryan. Uh, it does not really elaborate on the difference between destroying the universe and saving the universe and why he's destined to do both um it gets into it later but not all of that's been adapted into comic form yet so anyway that you know is, you know what claudio sounds like a real mary sue let's start there <laughs> well no it gets better because uh, the album that we're just about to get to in our in the in the podcast, Good Apollo, uh, Good Apollo One, takes a little bit of a turn, <laughs> and <laughs> and instead of continuing the story, well, it does still continue the story. Introduces a new character named the writer, who is writing the story of Claudio in the real world. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, yeah. Oh no. Oh why? Oh god. Oh no. See, I told you. So you have Terrence. basically this one Claudio. Like you have two Claudio XP characters that are just himself put into the story, talking to each other. One of which is the god of the universe, and one of the which is like prophesied to destroy the universe and become a god. So he's made himself god of the universe twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, do you, I keep thinking the sentence that you're saying is going to be the worst sentence I've ever heard, but then you do a next sentence, and then I'm trapped there. Uh, you, and this album is basically about that. That's what this album's about. It has much less of a plot. It's much more of a direct breakup album uh, about his relationship with uh, who some uh, Chandra, who is now his wife, but at the time of writing this album, had just broken up with him. And so it is a very angry breakup album. Uh... Doesn't the bike talk to him? Yes. Terrence, stop it. The bike definitely <laughs> talks to him. Um, there's a bike. The bike talks to him. Uh, the central <laughs> conflict of the album is about how he has to, like... Uh, if, if you... I'm, I'm hesitant here because this is the thing that, like, the next 12... Uh, <laughs> episodes of my podcast are going to be about i don't want to fucking spoil everything for everyone oh no you don't have to spoil anything um, i just wanted you to answer that question but yes the I, I'm like, I really appreciate that you think that the worst thing happening here is spoilers <laughs> i mean I, we have a whole show about going through the bullshit and like i mean this is really fascinating i think this album's fascinating and this next section uh, of the comics is fascinating because until this point uh claudio has written the comics with like either on his own or with uh, Peter David, who is a known writer who you'll sh pay some money, he fucking shows up. Peter David will show the fuck up and write your story. Um, but the the new version of the Good Apollo comics, which are currently being released, which is why we like had to put the uh, like change the format of the podcast and stretch it out to wait for these comics to be released, is being written by Chandra, who is 
like his wife and the subject of this angry breakup album. So this album about him like murdering a figure who is his wife is now being rewritten in comic form by his wife who was murdered by him in the original album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just or whatever that word is about snake Ouroboros. eating. Yeah, Ouroboros of bullshit that I'm uh-huh. very excited to go through. Uh, the album's great. It's a fucking excellent <laughs> album. The album's incredible. Uh, I, I, I now just want to know what it was like to hang around their house while she worked on this. Like, hey, you know what I'm doing today? Just uh, mapping out that storyline about you being such a prick. <laughs> I don't <laughs> to know. To me, actual me, me. I don't know. The whole thing isn't out yet, so I haven't like read it through. Uh, but I, it, it is very interesting. It is like definitely the best written of the like story sections in terms of like as a comic so far. I've read the first few issues. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, but it, it, this is the most fascinating part of this whole disaster. <laughs> I've been trying to make this, like, sort of cultural connection uh, between what this is and anything else that has ever fucking existed or would exist. Uh, and, and like, I have a friend who, like, loves writing about the history of, like, sketches within hip-hop albums, especially, like, the Wu-Tang. Uh, and this feels like this, like, sort of natural extension of that same sort of storytelling uh, that just happened to branch out from an emo album. And I, I think that there's something so interesting there about being like, what if you have an album and you have a story, but you have way more story than album? And then where do you go with that? And in like this transmedia world that we live in right now, you can sell the Umbrella Chronicles or whatever it is to Netflix uh, and, and still be My Chemical Romance and, and do, do all your stuff. Is that is that what you see this is, or does this like all feel like? I, I guess this is interesting and different because uh, there is this comic book, but it doesn't break with what these albums are. The albums are self-contained stories, and they have all this stuff. But do these albums contain this meta narrative and what they're doing, or is that something that you really have to put together later? Uh, it d- depends on the album. Like this one definitely contains it. Is like it, because this album is mostly about. Uh, like this breakup the majority of it rises to the surface and you can kind of basically tell what it's about on the first listen like so the part where he talks to the bicycle you'll be like what the fuck's he talking to a bicycle uh but the actual core you, of the album, you will and let's say that <laughs> the audience you will say why the fuck's he talking to the bicycle <laughs> because even though nothing in these albums like is spelled out plot wise they do still make sure to have someone literally say the lines you're a bicycle so (laughs) (laughs) which i appreciate Uh um see yeah like i don't know i don't think it's that unique like it's kind of inscrutable in its presentation but it's basically just fucking star wars like yeah it's bad but it's just (laughs) i made a huge world and a universe and i'm like telling stories in it and then rewriting them over again like i was gonna i was gonna say it doesn't uh there's nothing special about this like it definitely feels like um uh like some guy you see sitting in a coffee shop writing a <laughs> writing a story and just being like, "Man, this is gonna be this is the thing that's gonna put me on the map," <laughs> and nobody and like nobody has sat down to tell him like, "Hey, buddy, look!" Oh like, my god, <laughs> you got we got to talk about the story, man. <laughs> that's because there is like a there's like a, a lot of unnecessary. <laughs> Uh, but there's like a lot of uh, you. You talked about it earlier. There's like a, a lot of unnecessary uh, 
like misogyny and violence towards women in this. Oh uh, my god! Can we talk about entire that? thing? <laughs> well, it's because so I got it's not there's necessarily. A, there's a song whose chorus is "selfish little whore," like yes, it, and about beating <laughs> her face in. Like it's it is real hard to deal with that. <laughs> he went and married the person that song was about. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it's not so hard to deal with that. <laughs> Now I'm in the wrong. My God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's interesting because like, uh, I feel like the discography of this band is a very interesting tour through like the various forms of misogyny. Uh, oh my God! Because so it starts out and you just have the most tryhard teenage edgelord stuff of this like, oh we've got a character who's a serial killer and rapist and he's just like fucking everything up and look, wow he's so evil he like, look at all these women who died. Um, but then as the albums uh, start to go on, you have more of like uh, like this album is much more about um, Claudio's like anger and entitlement over the fact that someone broke up with him who he loved and was like how the fuck could you do that to me uh it's a very possessive album and like the album was like self-aware about this but not enough to critique that properly um anyway and then in later albums you have like uh, a plot line that is essentially just a um one-to-one parallel for what if i went away on tour and my girl was unfaithful uh and so it's about that insecurity and you basically uh, see the these Odyssey. different fo- <laughs> yeah you basically see these different forms of misogyny like rather rather heads and change as the band matures uh and the like storylines change uh, and i think it's really interesting to like as just in a to look at them since i don't think it's good i'm not saying this makes it worthwhile or anything <laughs> but it's definitely interesting to watch th- these like just insecurities that men have in the way uh the violent way that they like surface in fiction against women and the different forms that takes as as you like mature uh i, I love that it's it's how the band matures but also how misogyny uh, matures and that can be its own thing like misogyny yeah. can evolve and this is what that sounds like <laughs> yeah because like the later albums don't have serial killers running around who are like who have literal meat uh lockers full of dead women that's a thing that happens in in keeping secrets 3 that is the that's that's what happens in that album uh but it's not Mm -hmm. like like they may have grown up but they haven't like actually examined the underlying values uh that led them to be the way they are this is it is a band (laughs) built on just infinite forms of wife death like every album (laughs) the wife dies and uh but it means something different every time it's incredible code and cambrio uh women women in fridges the band basically pretty much in the first album like all the wives of the universe die that will make sense if Mm -hmm. you've listened to the podcast but i fucking don't have time to explain why that's true Uh, all the all the wives in the universe died that was a sentence you just said out loud no all the wives of the a wrinkle in oh all the wives okay yeah that yeah that's a better sentence yeah there you go it's a good sentence you said. It, it also I'd feels weird that we're 35 minutes in and we haven't talked about a note of the music yet. I've like, tried. I've been trying. Like, oh, the album's actually good, but you you got to hear the stuff. Here, here's yeah. here's what I wrote down as we entered into this one, which was that like there are two intro songs on this album, which might be the best way I can ever sum up Coheed and Cambria. What if a concept album had two intro tracks, not just one? Uh, they build on each other. So the third song is the first real song. It's called Welcome Home. 
and it's incredible because it is everything that in my head I make fun of Coheed for, but also everything that I love and that brings me back to this podcast, but they're on this fucking carousel that there's no controlling the speed of. Like, there's this cashmere-level, like, rock riff to this, like, descending chord riff thing, and that's the core of the song. Uh, but there, and, and there's, like, this lyric line about taking a drill to your hand to be like, Jesus, and that's, like, fucking cool. But then there are these breaks between each parts of the song where they just do these 80s hammer-ons on the guitar in, like, 20-second bursts. Like, these just wailing, like, as if screaming at you, we're doing hair metal. It, it feels like a like a like a a punchline comedian saying his his punchline and no one laughs. So he says it six more times in a row. Like that's a musical equivalent <laughs> of what is happening in the song. And then the last two minutes of the song are indistinguishable for me from Faith No More's epic. Like I don't know which God song. Damn it. I put the two on and they're the exact same song. And I was like, whoa. This is fine in that way, but then the rest of the song throughout is six minutes of, like, what if we had Metallica's Ride the Lightning, and every 30 seconds we just let the guy from Head Automatica into the studio? Like, it's just such a weird... <laughs> it's, I, I, I instantly get why you dedicate this much time to it, and why it seems so funny to me, and I can still think it is funny, and, like, I don't think I'm hurting your feelings by by saying that because they like they do stuff that that seems serious and talented and my god they're they're really good musicians and then out of nowhere they just go wow and it's like you're just a 14 year old on a bed but maybe is is that part of the poll i guess is actually that's a hundred percent part of the poll like that is what the band is they just like come out and they're like hey we're just gonna play this exact thing with no self-awareness for like trying to make it (laughs) uh like you don't fucking write a uh, nonsense sci-fi story into your lyrics if you're worried about being judged. <laughs> like, this is just the shit that Coheed want to play, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's dumb. Because uh, it's fucking dumb. It's dumb as hell. Uh, but I like this song. I don't know, this song, uh, for as silly as it is, that riff still goes pretty hard. It's fun to play on Rock Band. It is fun to play on Rock <laughs> Band. Um, and and, and it, is, it is that feeling of, like, when we we just spent 35 minutes on it and it makes it weird because I'm like, okay, if you have a narrative story that you're trying to sell uh, and you've done it over the course of your entire career, like how do you even do a concert, which isn't to do like, just to be like the Jesus Christ superstar of doing this. Uh, And, and there is something so fascinating about this. It's, it's somebody once summed up like a Weezer as being like, a Weezer wants to pretend that they're nerds trying to play heavy metal, but they're actually like Van Halen pretending that they're nerds. Uh, and that's what this feels like a little bit to me in that way. It's like, oh, there's just so much fucking here. But like what you just said is, is, is I guess what I was looking for. Like, I guess you can just go on stage and make a very loud sound for an hour and no one has to think about these things. But there is this weird bonus that for you is a plus or for somebody else would be a minus that there is this giant narrative of murder misogyny that exists here and there's I mean, a lot I don't of think it's a plus it. to the music. I'm not saying that when I listen to Welcome Home I'm like yeah the fact that this is about him murdering his wife is make I just I feel enriched right now. That's not <laughs> I think it's interest I think it's interesting and fascinating and it was a band I was really into as a teenager. But I'm not saying that like improves the actual music. Like the music is just very ridiculous rock music and it is what it is. Uh and like either you're going to like it or you're not. I think uh it is this is a band that um, 
something that is true universally but people often forget is that fucking metalheads are all just huge nerds and there's actually no mm-hmm. difference yeah uh, which is yeah and we have this agreed band for is the, the first band. time in this podcast tonight <clears throat> yeah. nerds nerds listen to three genres of music <laughs> This uh, like and will drone on incessantly about them. It's metal, it's prog rock, and weirdly enough, it's ska. <laughs> like those pretty. are the three genres that nerds fucking latch onto and will talk down your throat about it until you can't breathe anymore. But only the second cool wave. Right <laughs> yeah, no nerds coming up to me and talking about madness all the time. <laughs> They're like well, I hey, there was a pause I just as if playing I might Undertale. be trying to engage you. <laughs> <laughs> I just played Undertale. Have you heard Baggy Trousers? Like, <laughs> uh, um, speaking of prog rock, I am not the biggest fan of it. Uh, I, I like Yes a lot, and oh uh, really? That's nice to know. Yeah, um, like I actually like. I don't know. There's something about like the like. I I've never like I know Rush is like the number one prog band of history or whatever but i could never get past getty lee's weird voice and i feel like uh claudio sanchez is kind of doing some of that in this album oh he's extremely Uh, got the ridiculous voice like he's he's like the way he pronounces words i'm just like you're putting like eight more (laughs) you're putting like eight more syllables on this than you need to and And it and i didn't wasn't really there before with 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 what jackson was saying but like i i I think I have it in my notes here. Uh, okay, so I found it. Uh, Jackson, you brought up that, like, they love to do songs about being a creepy fucking sex pervert. And I've heard it on the other albums. And there's a couple of songs on this album that build to this point until they hit the song The Lying Lies, which is literally a song about sneaking into a child's bedroom and contains the line, Are you willing? Well. I, and I was just like... It, I, I love that they don't do character voices, but at some point it's like, oh, this is just the the main singer's voice. It just sounds like creepy child sex mongering, and I don't know what the fuck is happening. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I really expected Jess, that you were going to have this really no. like, formed defense about this, but thank I'm you. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so glad man. that you didn't. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty open about the way this band sucks. Like, I enjoy this band, but they also suck. Yeah. And, like, I'm not here to defend them. And, like, the podcast I do isn't about defending them. It's about, like, examining that weird tension between this ridiculous fucking uh, band that thinks it's prop rock, but is actually just a pop metal band. Um, oh, God, you are so right. I never even thought about it like that. <laughs> I mean, they are. They're just, like... They, they, like, can do riffs, they can do choruses, and sometimes they, like, think they can do a time signature, but they can't. Like, they're at their best when they just... Like, there's a song called The Suffering on this album, which is one of the best songs in the yes. album. Yes! Um, yes! Because it's just a pop song. It's just a pop song. It's a Queens of the Stone Age song. It has one piano riff, and cheerleader is going, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. And you're like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, it has, like, the the bit, the classic rock trope of someone having the, like, just playing the piano on a pedal over and over and over again. Uh, the, and the, the, the backing the vocalist from Teen Titans. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, the closest they get to it, and I, I wrote it down because it actually made me sad in the moment when I listened to it the first time, and it made me sad the second time I listened, uh, was in uh, Willing Well uh, Part 4. Uh, at the end of the album, because uh, it sounds like, especially when they get the keyboards in there, it is what the first Mars Volta album meant to me. 
And I was like, oh, this is what I used to love. Like, this is this is a thing that I love. And it, it made me so happy. And I was like, these are guys that can do this. And they can they clearly love this style of music. And they can do this thing. And then there's like a weird like minute of silence after it. And then they do a country jamboree banjo down. <laughs> what? With the what sounds, in the world? With the sounds of them going fishing. And I just, every time I listen to it, I lose my fucking shit. I was like, hey, what if... What if Mars Volta was on this Disneyland ride? <laughs> well, that, that's just a dumb hidden track. But because the album's so fucking long, they could only afford like 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> so everyone still thinks it's part of the same song. It's, 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 it, is a, it, is, it, is, it is of everything on this album, something that shows off the musicianship on display. It is that thing that I'm like, you know, if I had to defend this fucking band right now, this is the song I would use. And I'd be like, hey, fuck you. This is a good ass band. <laughs> and then at the end of it, you can hear them catching a fish. Uh, well, it's really weird because uh, the previous two albums both have uh, <laughs> hidden tracks on them. Yes. Uh, and like they're like both of the hidden tracks are just kind of these eight songs in one. Like they just they're just just mashing everything together. And uh, but um, I really like the 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 twenty one thirteen the song the hidden track off of uh, in keeping secrets. Yes. And so when I got to this and it was just like this country bear jamboree. Like I was like what. Zoop, what is? I mean, there's no what? space for a big hidden like hidden right. track on this album because uh, Twenty One Thirteen, which is the hidden track on the previous album, is like the longest song on that album and probably the yeah. best song on that album, arguably. Yes. Uh, depending, like it's either that or in Keeping Secrets. Um, mm-hmm. You are completely on point. Uh, and um, like Twenty One Thirteen is the like the closest they ever come to actually being a prog band. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, like I guess the. I guess the like willing well sweet they do that almost because the songs are long, but I don't think that's that's not actually what being prog is. Um, yeah, that was uh, I I texted Brock while I was listening to it. I was, that's why I was saying Claudio just get on with it because I was in the middle of the willing well and I was just like, man, too many of these songs just sound exactly the same well, and like. Well, it, that's because they have uh, they end the album on like. Four seven-minute songs in a row. Most of the album is like five-minute, four-minute songs, and there's four seven-minute songs in, the, in a row. And one of them is a repeat of a five-minute song earlier in the album, but with mm-hmm. three extra minutes just added mm-hmm. in. And to be hey, which, fair, it's which, a much better version that? of that song. Uh, uh, that would be <clears throat> the Willingwell Three Apollo Two: The Telling Truth. <laughs> yeah, it's just isn't it just repeating uh, what? Apollo one, yeah, those two Apollo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I wanted to double check because I thought I was going fucking insane. <laughs> like I kind of understand it from a narrative point of just like reiterating points that you've said before, but on an album, I'm just like, what? Like, did you forget that you already did this, or was this? It's weird because it's like they know it's one of the best songs in the album, so they exactly play it twice. <laughs> have this thing, which which was like when I first was listening to this, like. The song, the writing writer, fuck me for saying that. The writing writer uh, is is my, my favorite track on this album because I'm like a very riff based guy. But then, like watching it get repeated or or thrown under the bus, became so funny because uh, by the time we reached like uh, Willingwell One, it was using the same riff, 
but it just sounded like there was a second band playing another song behind it somewhere, like as, as if you were at a festival and you just had two stages <laughs> that were too close to each other. And I was like, what is happening? The thing that I liked the most about this album feels like it's falling apart in front of me. And then that same song was the first time, and, and it was something I was prepared to compliment the band on here. Uh, Cursive does it too, and it is the thing I've always liked to do character-based stuff and not to do, like, voice-altering or something. And within Willing Well 1, all of a sudden there's a deep Octavator voice on the voice <laughs> of now they baby, did, I'm they did that on the, the fuck demon. And I was just like, ah, fuck you guys. I'm fucking out. This is, I'm They done. did that on the second album. <laughs> oh, did they? Uh, yeah, uh, on Al the Killer. Like, they, uh... They did do... I mean... Sometimes I did, but sometimes, more hilariously, it's just Claudio doing a silly voice. <laughs> like, he just likes to go <laughs> randomly, and you're like, man, dude, calm down. <laughs> Chill out. Uh, there's a song on one of the later albums uh, called Domino the Destitute, uh, where the song begins, and, like, the, it's just one of the, it's, like, trying to recapture their, like, big, long songs that everyone likes, and this riff counts, like, basically repeats for a minute, but because it repeats for so long, Claudia, over the second half, it just starts going, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and I'm not exaggerating, that is literally mm-hmm. the noise he's making. Like, that I sounds wish, like I me not being able to do it. I wish I was at Pitchfork, because that would be my review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, Look, yeah. It's so, something we do on the show, which is to <laughs> talk about, like, a lot of these things are, are, are talking about us revisiting these albums. Neither me nor Terrence are revisiting this album in a major way. Uh, but like, do you have any like live show memories? Obviously you've caught them live, right? (laughs) I have seen them once live. It was when they were touring on the bad album and they like did their two new acoustic ballads from the bad album and everyone went to get a drink. (laughs) That was year of the black rainbow. Uh, I I went to see, uh, I took my wife to see uh, St. Vincent a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and uh, her opening act was her showing her uh, horror short from the horror short movie that she just made uh, called uh, XXX. Uh, it is four, mm-hmm. four female directors doing four uh, horror shorts, but it came out like a year and a half ago. So the opening act was her short film that we'd all watched together. But they'd redone the audio for a concert audience, so all of the big jump scare sounds were giant concert sound level things. Uh, oh, Jesus. Like, people were going to get drinks, but I was also like, no, 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 stay. You're going to like this more than if you watch it on Amazon Prime later tonight. Like, this is kind <laughs> of important. Uh, it was one of the, it was, and then there was a break between that and her coming on stage. Uh, and we could see from where we were that she was out in the audience watching the short as well i was like this is one of the weirdest things we'll ever see in a concert yeah i was gonna say that sounds that sounds psychotic like yeah it does right i will see everyone watching my art she's not watching the screen she's watching me not watch what i've already not watched (laughs) uh so there's a lot here Jackson, I mean, I, not, I don't have very many ridiculous live memories because they're, they're just like a band. They just play the songs. Yeah. They don't play the yeah. order. They don't like Terrence, have you seen play them the before? Story. I stumbled into a show of theirs by I accident. saw, <laughs> I saw Claudio, Claudio play acoustically because the rest of the band was hung over at a warp tour. <laughs> that <laughs> seems like a thing the most do. warped tour story that can possibly exist. I said hello to the bassist who later tried to blow up a pharmacy. 
Sorry. Jackson, <laughs> Jackson we'd like to ask you to formally co-host this show with us from now on. <laughs> he didn't actually blow No, okay. So he, what he did was far more stupid. <laughs> so what he did, this, this um, as it tends to happen uh, when you are a rock musician... <laughs> Uh, was addicted to drugs, uh, and so uh-huh. he goes to he 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 needs his drugs, and he goes to um, the chemist and is like, <laughs> hands hands the phone over and, and is like, we've got a we've, I've I've got a bomb, I've got a bomb on me, uh, and you have to give me these drugs, and it works. He steals the drugs. Uh, obviously, doesn't actually have a bomb. No real bomb. Just pretend. Just makes up a bomb in order to get uh, in order to get um, get the painkillers he needs. What he then does is drive directly from this place that he has robbed in an armed robbery to the show oh my god <laughs> where he proceeds oh to god. immediately get arrested mhm anyway he doesn't perform with them anymore because he got arrested <laughs> for for armed robbery <laughs> uh, and also who needs a bassist let's start there I mean, it sucks because it's it, it's actually really sad because he was like clearly addicted to drugs. And I'm I'm not defending uh, uh, Andre Robbery. That's fucking bad and also stupid. Uh, right. But then after that, he like got cancer and had to sell sell all his stuff in order to pay for his treatment. And everything. Oh God. And that's like oh Jesus, we're bad for Mike. Uh, but they do have a new basis now, who has, to my knowledge, not. Um, robbed any uh pharmacies well no that also puts you in that weird like uh, fan situation where you're like i can get a base that they took on tour for a year but it is to help somebody kill themselves with drugs like so (laughs) there's they have two albums called the afterman Yes, they're basically one out. It's it's a double. It's just one album. It's like it I hate the, I hate that name so much. I love I love that you. Had it to sounds say that this is one album, whereas would, before you on. had to be like, here's eighty nine words, but those are two albums. Would it make because you I, feel better if I told you that was a prequel? <laughs> yes, I saw that, Jackson. I Jackson. saw it. I God saw. I'm like, Jackson. I keep reading it as the aftermath, and I'm just like, no. I was like, cool. They they're ending this. The story has ended. No, it's the aftermath, and it's the prequel, and it's called the aftermath. And also, I keep looking at the Wikipedia and like looking at the characters, and man, these are some uninspired character designs. Because you know what Claudio's picture is? It's just some dude in a black hoodie and jeans. Oh yeah, that's that's who Claudio is. He's just some dude. I mean, he doesn't actually look like that for most of it because that's him in the first album when he's a teenager. Then Shut he becomes up. like some bearded, ridiculous. Shut up! Look, <laughs> I hate this so much. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle good. of I'm in the middle of playing all the Kingdom Hearts games, and this makes and Kingdom Hearts makes more sense than this. But this doesn't also, make sense. Like finally, the, now that we are on on the air together, can I just? Tell you, Terrence, my favorite thing is when you're like, this video game doesn't make sense. Because no video game has ever made sense. But it's, it's my favorite <laughs> thing when you're like, a rule of Rose, that story's going to be convoluted. And I'm like, I, I've played all the Silent Hills. I know Terrence. No, like, you, well, don't under, like, you don't understand. <laughs> rule of Rose, like, I can, I can explain Silent Hill to somebody. I can very much, because Silent Hill plays by some set of rules within its own universe. <laughs> rule of Rose doesn't like even like roll of rose is 
Code and Cambria story, like where it's just like it, like you think you think there's some set of rules, and then you get more into it. And you're just like, there's like nobody made a guideline to this, and they just keep writing more stuff, and it's just going, it's just spilling out on the floor. Like there's no bucket to catch all the ideas. It's just like, okay, here you go. There's a dog. Like you were dead. You might have you might have died in a Zeppelin crash, but you didn't die in a Zeppelin crash. Your parents did, and this is the orf- this is the orphanage you grew up in. But you're an adult, and the kids are when you were a kid, but you're not a kid anymore. You're an adult, and they're kids, and the kids have like a murder cult, and uh, there's a farmer who kills one of the kids, and uh, you you had a dog then, and you have a dog now, and one of the girls was a ghost, and she was your best friend. And y'all got in a fight because she hated the dog. And this is this basically tracks one to one. The good, the good is, Apollo this, this is a basically, dog. Basically, it's a nice time for me to also say that my biggest uh, friendship moment with Jackson on Twitter was uh, suggesting, like, "Hey, I've never played a Final Fantasy before. Where do I begin?" And then I ducked out of the app mentions, and then Jackson spent a week in the app mentions of uh, <laughs> mansplaining of what Final Fantasy to start with. Because right. I and was I had tagging to see that it one somehow. Night when you were like doing a tweet that was like, <laughs> never ever do this shit to me. And I was like, oh, is this about me? And you were like, yeah, ostensibly, but you didn't mean to do it. I was like, no, I did mean to do it. I fucking hate you. And I want you to learn something about Final Fantasies. I've, I've, I know what the deal with them. They're all good. It's all fine. Everyone needs to calm down. <laughs> I would say probably six is the one to start off with, so you get. Oh, don't fucking do this. To me. this <laughs> I mean, I haven't even finished six, but that just that seems like happened. exactly because so no one finished six because the second. All right, no, I can't. Because it just takes. First of all, six takes forever to get through the first part of the game. Um, but I mean, like combat-wise, like like the mechanics very much uh, explains like Final Fantasy. That you can get into like the weird stories, but my favorite is twelve, so I have no room to talk. Get to I the point already, right. Claudio. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that's final. No, that's Final Fantasy thirteen. Is get to the point already, Claudio? <laughs> How long till we fight the space pope? Jesus Christ! I've been on this ship for an hour. When do oh. Coheed and Cambria have their Kingdom Hearts moment with the Final Fantasy universe? Uh, well, no, the, the, problem, the problem. Like, <laughs> the, the reason this is a bad comparison is because Coyote and Cambria isn't a bad story. I mean, it is a bad story, but it isn't a bad story because it's convoluted. Because it's ju- it's not actually that. No, it's convoluted. not. It's not that convoluted. It's just that it doesn't. Half of it doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just not there. They're just are gaps that because it's like. A couple of comics that don't really line up, uh, okay. albums that don't line up with the comics or each other, but have some similarities. Uh, some albums that haven't even been adapted yet, including the final album and the end of the story. Uh, one album that has an entire novel, but the other ones don't have novel. Like just so it's all been adapted in various ways, none of which makes sense, none of which really connect. There's no like it, it, it's it's a nightmare for like we, we say it's this perfect idea for like nerds to analyze forever but it's also their true nightmare because there is no canon there is no one (laughs) thing to say what it is it's all like it's just various things to either enjoy or probably not that's that's a really good point like there's there's nothing here that is the whole thing there is no point to start from there's no point to end at it's uh it's just a bunch of albums which if you like ridiculous uh, pop metal, you will have a good time, and then also some real bullshit you can Google and have a drink and have a laugh at. <laughs> it's uh, it the, the way you just described it. It kind of makes me think of uh, how 
how in the Star Wars canon, or at least like Star Wars Nords for years, Star Wars Nords, nerds for years, (laughs) (laughs) were just like, everything has to have a meeting. And then The Last Jedi came along, or just like, everything doesn't have to have a meaning. And that's, and like, that's what it feels like the entire Cody and Cambria storyline is, where it, everything has a meaning, but nothing has a meaning, but it also has a meaning that it has no meaning. And that's why you have the writer's writing or whatever the hell. It's, yeah, it's, it's some real ridiculous nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. It's bad in a lot of ways. Uh, it's hilarious that it exists, and I like to admire it and go. <laughs> uh, and then I like the music. I don't know. I like. I. I'm. I'm a simple, simple person. I enjoy I mean, I, when the guitar goes meh. Like, I'm glad, <laughs> Jackson. I'm so glad that you carry that attitude towards this. Because like, it isn't also, any you, also you say it out loud. The thing that exists in my head is my hope. I like it when the guitar goes mere. That, that's my new. <laughs> that's my new fucking ringtone on my phone. Is you saying? I that. mean, it's 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 simple and spirit, and, and it feels good. And I agree. I listening to it now. It's it it makes me feel good when the guitar goes mere. <laughs> yeah, like the the guitar solo at the end of uh, Welcome Home. Like it's bit too long. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit too long. Like the whole song, the whole song's a bit too long. This whole album is a bit too long. A little bit. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, We Hate Movies. They have this uh, this sort of uh, scale that they say when a when a movie is longer than Star Wars. And like I was talking about Cursive earlier, and like Cursive gets in and out with the ugly organ. Like yeah. that album is forty minutes long, and like tells the entire story. This that, album that includes is a thirteen minute track. <laughs> Right. This album is is 72 minutes long, which is almost double the length of like if you cut off the end of uh uh staying alive, yeah. like it would be it would be the length of this album. I I also just really appreciate that you and I exist on this cursive level like measure of things like there's the metric system and then there's the cursive system, which is to measure whether emo concept albums have too much fat on the bone. <laughs> it's so it's so it's just like is this is this longer like that's what I think of when I think of concept albums like yeah. like uh like is this longer than the ugly organ? Like do you need to cut down some of the chaff because you're you are taking up time. You are I have things to do. Like I was watching a I was watching a video I was watching a set of videos uh at work and uh like I was just like oh I gotta listen to the album before before we record tonight. And then I looked, and it was like three o'clock, and it was just like, "Oh, this album's seventy-two minutes long." I was like, "Well, shit, I gotta," because uh, I was just like, "I could just listen to some of it here and some on the drive home," but I was like, "I wouldn't have time to finish it by the time I got home. Like, I'd still be halfway through the album." It's at the point where, like, if an album's that long, just make it a double album because then at least people right. know what you're doing. Like, right. I think this begs a question that I I, I feel like we're all uh, born around the same time, and. This was a weird obsession for me, and this is probably the last question we do on the show tonight before doing our exits. But, like, uh, did you grow up in that time that you would get a CD and you'd put the CD under your CD player and the CD would show you the total time of the CD before you hit play? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that, that was the thing that CD players do. I don't remember if mine did it, but I yeah, I, I remember measuring things that I'd gotten based on that and like being like getting something that was like, oh, it says 35 minutes. 
was I cheated of this twelve dollars I spent at Sam Goody <laughs> Music Land? Uh, what what I'm supposed like? And I remember like uh, OK Computer being exactly at like forty two minutes and being like, they did a Douglas Adams joke, I think, and then dying alone because uh, of that thing. But like it, it it was it was a time that like that thing because it was your access to the media became somehow important uh and and i think that that is why something like the ugly oregon carries through here like now it's very easy because you pull up the youtube video which i have to be very honest when i pull up the first youtube video of this album uh the first result of it is somebody that did an 8-bit cover of the entire album and, mm-hmm. and i didn't notice for the first few minutes and so for a couple of minutes i was like this is my fucking jam. This is my new favorite <laughs> album of all time. I did not know that they just made an 8-bit album for fuck no one. Uh, and now I am a huge Coheed fan. I was like, wait, hold on. We got to go back and fix this. But yeah, like album time, it, uh, media and art should not be measured by that thing. But like, I feel like our generation was in, uh, engendered to that sort of thing. And, and we're talking about it on those terms. And so there is something about Coheed that I do appreciate that they just were always like, what if we filled the disc? What if we just put <laughs> as much as we fucking could onto the thing? And this was at a time that CD was still the main property of the thing. Like, the, you're, a, you're a Coheed scholar. Do you care about this? Does this feel like this taps into anything real for you? I mean, it, it uh, like... I don't care because they've done like albums of varying length, but I definitely would say that excess is core to the appeal. Like you need to be someone who is going to appreciate like excess in all things. If you want to like not be entirely repulsed by what they're doing, because there's just a lot. It's just too much. Uh, like every oh, guitar this, solo this is too the, much. The, the, the question that this is, was really supposed to be is, are you a smashing pumpkins fan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not really. I don't haven't really listened to much Smashing Pumpkins. That's fucking amazing to me. I love that you would be like there like there's bands that exist that exist only in like double album states at this point, but like no Coheed is different in this different way. <laughs> I mean, no, they're just they're just the band. They're just different. like I think because I like came up uh listening like in high school mostly through like punk and metal and stuff like that. Like I see them as just an extension uh, of like a level of instupidity and also much less talented uh, above like My Chemical Romance, who are like, mm-hmm. a very good version of like. Th- when I think about a band that wants to be something that wants like they want to be Queen, they want to be like ridiculous uh, yes. like metal something. Jackson, thank they want you. To be incredibly theatrical. Jackson, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because. Thank you. <laughs> because when I mention, when I talk about emo online or I make a joke about like emo bands, like somebody's always just like My Chemical Romance. I'm just like, My Chemical Romance is not an emo band. They are like, they so hard want to be queen. They're a bunch of, they're just like a generic rock band that has theatrics. They're a bunch of theater kids who had got guitars and were just like, yeah, we're going to make a band now. They're not. <laughs> yeah. Like, what I, I would like I, to pause I love is MCL, that but all the is, debates about is the, whether is the or older or brother that uh, to uh, My Chemical Romance, and as older brother, they gave My Chemical Romance one Primus CD, and that's where this all started. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. My I, Chemical Romance is modern day Kiss. <laughs> oh my god! I, I like Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, but like that's what their whole instrumentality is of just like man, these guys have so much emotion. I'm just like, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> I've heard Helena. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's my new other uh, phone ringing. 
we're, we're about to end here, but like uh, before we go, Jackson, like we've yes. shit all over this a bunch tonight. This is a band that is very talented and good. Give us your best pitch as to why people should like actually listen to them without there their fucking what we've done at there them. There isn't a good pitch for that. Like you should listen to like um you should listen to them if you just like ridiculous rock uh like trappings around pop choruses. Like they are that mm. to the extreme. They have a lot of bullshit surrounding them that you can ignore. I don't know. I'm not here to say the they are a like <laughs> they are they're here to preach the gospel of Coheed. Yeah, they're clearly like incredibly talented uh like the musicians with their instruments, but so were a lot of dipshits I knew at school. Like right? <laughs> your, your your definition of it is my favorite thing, that they are the trappings around like they Coheed seems like uh, rock and roll's bridge. I don't know what that means. Like, they, <laughs> like I, I think that any band could turn in a song and Coheed come in and be like, "We have a bridge here to put in as like a, a post-chorus thing that will just fucking rock," and they have nothing else to add. Like that seems. They what do they are. love a good bridge. They do love a good bridge. Yeah. yeah what, if, what if we turn it on its head? But then we made it uh, as in Wish uh, Willing Well Two did. Just made a song that sounds like it's the JRPG shop in every video game. Like, like, hello, do you want a really healing love the potion? Song. It does sound like a JRPG shop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I like I like the band. I like the songs. I like I, I like I don't know. I like MCR. You are fucking wrong. Helen is a good song. I'm not here to say they're emo. They're not, but they are good. It's my it's the stuff. Our, that our I'm definition here for. of emo, we don't have to have that fight here. Brock's Brock's definition of emo. Oh, I like the emo fight because basically emo <laughs> Terrence's means like definition of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the emo fights are hilarious because like emo basically means two different genres depending what age you are, uh, right. and so seeing those two people, like any two people from those different like generations of being online or into music interact is always hilarious because I don't care and <laughs> everyone cares so much and I just get to watch them fight. It's, it's like if you haven't listened, the, we had the author of a book called The History of Emo on recently, and he was not a fan of any of my jokes about what emo was. <laughs> oh, I bet I wrote the book on emo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm at the I'm at the crux like I'm in the I'm directly in the middle like I'm like the last the like the last bastion of like older emo definition because I graduated high school in 2006 and like anything after that was just like scene kids like when I was in like my uh my sophomore year was like MySpace so right. you started getting like scene kids and that's, and then they were like, those are emails. And I was just like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> like, uh, emails don't care enough to dress up in, uh, in like battle regalia. Like, uh, my couple romance does. It's <laughs> where can we support your Patreon? Oh, you can support the Patreon at patreon.com slash abnormal mapping. Uh, you can find the podcasts. Uh, all of them are at abnormal mapping.com. I do a bunch, but uh, this one, the, the Amory score, is at I need mayo.com. Like I said, the, Mayo is a character in the fucking. Sh- <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, so you can, if you enjoy that, you can also support the uh, co host of that podcast, uh, my friend Molly, at patreon.com slash Molly Reinbeck. But those are the main, those are the main links. This is just feel funny because I, I feel like I'm introducing the British and the US version of the same person to each other tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Headfuls Off on Twitter if you want to see my other posts. God, I almost choked on my drink. Um, <laughs> Jackson is at Headfuls Off on Twitter. Yep. That's um, me. That's the Rock thing. Rock is on Twitter. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brock Wilbur. Uh, I have a new podcast with my wife called Missouri Loves Company that Terrence is editing right now, actually. Uh, and I just took a job. Uh, I am a political writer for the site 50 States of Blue, uh, where I am interviewing a bunch of politicians in Kansas and Missouri right now. And as of a few minutes ago, the governor of Missouri was just outed for uh, binding, gagging, and then blackmailing a woman that he was not married to. So that's my night tonight. <laughs> oh, well, have fun with that. I'm going to eat some uh, french fries. Well, you um, know we both love being American. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the Black Nerd on Twitter. You can find me there. That's, uh, there's links there. I do a lot of stuff. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, Jackson, Keep what do you got as uh, like a video game uh, recommendation? What have you been playing? Oh God, nothing. <laughs> I've been doing. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I can play Drought. I don't know. Like I've played lots of old games. I've been playing like Castlevania Three. It's fantastic. Go and play Castlevania Three. Find the Famicom ROM, which has the original soundtrack, because it's amazing. There you go. That's my. Yeah, that's my hot recommendation. Castlevania Three. Jackson, uh, have you tried uh, Dead Cells? Uh, I've tried it. But I'd want to just play... Th- I haven't actually, like, played through all the Eager Bank. So I just want to play through this. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've, I'm, I've never, like... For some reason, I'm not a big fan of, uh, like, Castlevania or Metroid. But I love games that are based off of them. Right. Like Rogue Legacy and and Dead Cells. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm weird. Uh, wait, what... It, uh, in case you can go into Which one did you try? Uh, I tried the two Game Boy Advance ones. Um... Play. I I know I, I know I haven't played Sophia the Night because like I don't have anything that oh, hey, play I, it I gotta go currently. Goodbye. I'm one of the coolest kids in Tango Geeky. Bye everybody. Bye.